What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. It is Wednesday night as we record this July 10th, which means this weekend is one of the crazier weeks, weekends in pro wrestling for us. John, we've done it two years in a row. We've watched all the G1 matches. I f- feel like I'm not going to be able to do it this year. What, what, what are you doing for G1 this year? I'm going to try to watch all the G1 only matches. There might be a few. I think I'm going to watch the six-man tag, which I believe is coming up on the yeah on the Saturday because Carl Fredericks, um, you know, from the, you know, Reno, worked at APW, now with New Japan Dojo. Um, he's working a six-man tag where he's teaming with Kenta, another dojo kid, you know, versus uh, Tanahashi and his team. So definitely going to you know, make time to watch that match and, and then the G1 matches. And I'm going to try my best to keep keep up. I know we tr- and rank them as as they go, like we've done the last couple of years. But we'll see. We'll see. Life's been extremely busy for me um, this, you know, this year already. So, we'll, um, but, you know, I'm going to do my best. So we just got done with the, uh, over the weekend, the first night of the A Block, how, did, I mean, were you able to watch that in a pretty timely fashion? Yeah, I watched it like, uh, I mean, most of it like live, which is was crazy. I didn't think that was going to happen, but I ended up watching a good amount of it live, like kind of the undercard stuff. And then when it came to the G1 stuff, I ended up watching it later that evening. What you, uh, What'd you think? What were there, uh, I mean, to me, outside of maybe one match, all the matches were really good. And even in the match that wasn't great, which was evil and Fale, like it was perfect for what, you know, what, what I thought it was going to be. But, uh, what was your favorite matches and which did you, uh, was there a lot, a lot of people are saying the Coda and Kenta is a little bit polarizing, but also wanted your thoughts on that one. Um, I thought overall it was a, it was a good show. I like the, uh, production of it. I like the lighting. I thought the lighting is like, like really nice. You know, even though they did show like you know a lot some empty seats, whatever. But I just liked the the lighting of the of the ring. I, th- I thought it felt like like it felt like a big show to me. And the matches itself, I really enjoyed Osprey and Archer. I thought they had a really damn good match. Um, I thought it went about five eight to five minutes, way too long. There was a point when like he was kind of like going for the Oz cutter and ducked one and. Then, I you know I thought like maybe Archer should have caught him there and then after he ducked one looked like he's gonna finally hit it like Archer just clobber him in the back and finish him off but you know they kind of continued to go on and but I I, I like that match it probably was my favorite of the matches honestly and that's saying something because you know you had Tanahashi and Okada in the main event and um, and I thought they had a really good match but it, but. It's, it was definitely the weaker of the other series and, but not in the bat, you know, it's still a great match. It just wasn't, you know, the level of their past matches. It felt like to me, like more of a kind of like a showcase of their match, you know, like, you know, like, like the kind of all the trademark spots and all that stuff. The greatest hits version. Greatest hits. Exactly. Yeah. Given the U S crowd, the greatest hit version. Um, Kenta and Kota Ibushi was, yeah, very polarizing. I was definitely into 
uh, the kicks and the aggressive. I was definitely into Kenta's performance. Um, I mean, the go to sleep was the finish, which was looked great. Um, I still thought it. I I firstly thought they should have done a knockout because it just would have been more impactful. But people are there, you know. U.S. fans are there to see the the GTS, so you know they had that finish. Um, Toda, I wonder how he's going to be for the rest of the tournament because he really messed up that ankle and that double stomp to the outside. And right away, I was like, man, he really jacked his his uh, ankle up. And but then like he continued the match and he seemed fine in the match. But then of course he, you know tweeted out that picture of his ankle all purple so that was pretty nasty so um i believe he's scheduled to win this tournament i mean he's the one of the heavy favorites um he's my pick to win it and i if he gets hurt i wonder how that's gonna mess everything up you know because you know this this tournament's so laid out you know each match is laid out specific the winner at least or whatever and you know to find the, the final so but yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And it was it was kind of fun because you know I have a mom, my mother stayed with us because my daughter's birthday party that weekend, and so I'm like, mom, I'm gonna throw on some wrestling. You know? She's <laughs> like, oh, you know, my mom, you know, she's the sweetest. She's like, I don't care, I'm just here, you know. And she's watching this, you know, and she's just kind of like, I know they're it's not real, but they have to be hurting each other, you know. And uh, she was since she watched uh, Tanahashi Okada, and I was trying to explain to her how great these guys were and what a legendary Tanahashi was. Blah blah. blah. And Okada, of course, will be a legend too. And she was just kind of like, huh, "All right, it's interesting." <laughs> but she did enjoy seeing uh, Jeff wrestle early in the night, and because um, you know she knows Jeff, we had Jeff over for Thanksgiving one year, and she thought it was like amazing that he's getting paid to do this and travel all the world and. You know, he's making a living at it. And um, and Chloe was excited to see Uncle Jeff on the big screen, too. So that was fun. I told her, Uncle Jeff's on TV. She ran over to Uncle Jeff. <laughs> she was, like, super excited. Jeff, so that Jeff was, awesome. was awesome. That match was great. That match, you know, not, I mean, great and, you know, leading, building up to their match coming up this, uh, this Saturday. And they really, you know, tease enough and really, I, I, I can't wait for that match. This Saturday is probably of all the stuff that's going on Saturday. You know, that's probably the the match I want to see the most. Um. So the uh, the G. So I was there that weekend. I did not stay. I was there Thursday. Well, we actually flew out on the Fourth of July at eleven fifty nine p.m. and got there and hung out all day Friday and then came back Saturday morning. And uh, I didn't, you know, I, I'm really bummed. I didn't get a chance to see Jeff because I, I, I kind of wanted just to say hi and, you know, wish him good luck and stuff. But we were running around and I, I didn't even think of trying to hit him up or anything. But, uh, you know, he was, he was, he fit in perfectly. You know, the, they did the presser and he is, you know, sitting there with his sunglasses and he's cracking jokes. And the thing that was really cool about the... Um, about the press conference is that everybody had their act. They had their gimmick. They were different. They dressed different. You know, Jeff had a suit and he was wearing shades and his hair is slicked back and he's pretty loose, you know, normal Jeff personality, pretty loose. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a real guy. Like, don't underestimate me. And he, he fit in perfectly with the, you know, the cast of characters uh, at that show 
Um, and yeah, much like you, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, all of his matches and I want to see uh, because, you know, I think we know that he can go to that level. And I think some people are interested to see if he can go to that level. Uh, but, you know, if, if you just look at the one match that he had uh, the other day in the tag, like it was perfect it was like so it was just everything was picture perfect that they did to build for their match on uh, on saturday so yeah definitely looking forward to it the other thing i guess a couple other things is uh you know just being in the room with jushin thunder liger as dave interviews him that was that was really cool and and the thing that i think kind of it just it was a little mind-boggling was I can remember where I was the first time I saw him wrestle. And so, you know, you, I look into his eyes and he's wearing his mask, but you know, he, he's, he's, an, you know, he, he's a little bit older now. And I look at, you know, I look at his eyes and I'm like, man, that guy has been through so many wars and, and so many matches. And, and I can remember, you know, the first time I saw him, like, so that was kind of a moment where I kind of had to, kind of adjust and, 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 you know, kind of just think back to that time and go, okay, I'm, I'm here producing this podcast. So I got to kind of pay attention, <laughs> but you know, he's got, he, he's, he was so cool. And, you know, Coda, we did the interview with Coda too. And, you know, Coda's just a freak and, and he's different. And, you know, he's like Kenny in the sense that, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he's not giving you the, the same patented answers that everyone else gives you. But it was pretty interesting because Dave kind of asked a question that was probably on a list of like, can you guys not maybe bring this thing up (laughs) concerning Kenny Omega? And it was a very interesting reaction to that question, considering that, you know, he and Coda are close. And at StarCast, Kenny like broke down when he was talking about Coda. And so Coda at, did not break down and was a little kind of like, you know, gave us a, a Mar- Marshawn Lynch answer, like, I'm only here because, you know, because I have to be kind of thing, kind of answer. Um, and and that, that was interesting because, you know, I think we all hope that New Japan and AEW works together at some point. And uh, that non-answer was quite telling and uh, I think was kind of like, the the talk of the interview was just based off of that one non-answer to that question um but yeah it was it was a pretty fun weekend hung out with some folks uh this guy uh who i've been following on twitter uh his name is Jarrett. he uh he writes for the baseball prospectus so he's like a really like diehard analytical baseball nerd and you know i i love those guys so i got to talk to him and uh, the guy, uh, one of the guys on our page, on our Facebook page, which you can find if you want to join, you know, you can find at the Fight Game Media uh, Twitter handle. It's, it's, I think it's pinned. Uh, Brady Childs, he, he was there, and he's also a super baseball nerd, and he writes for uh, Boston Red Sox blog. And I think I'm actually going to have Brady on because he was there live. Um, I gave him one of my tickets uh, that because I didn't go. And I think he's going to kind of just give us sort of a little bit of a live recap of the show, how everything, you know, how it was. And then we'll talk, I'll talk with him a little bit more about the G1, uh, about the tournament and his predictions. Uh, I think we'll do, uh, I'm going to probably do like a Friday bonus episode. And, uh, the, the other piece of that will be, um, Jason Hagholm, our buddy who's been on shows with me, like 
for you know he and i have been recording for years and years and years since he was like in his early 20s and he wants to talk about something that we're going to talk about a little bit later which is the stars and stripes challenge from 1993 with lex luger body slamming yokozuna like he was really pumped about this so i said look you and i will talk separately and we'll just do like a little bonus thing about it so we'll we'll have that on on friday or saturday morning or something this is a bonus podcast after this one but uh, yeah, but that was that was pretty much it for for the G one in Dallas. And you know, whenever I get to, a chance to do that stuff with Big Dave, you know, he's uh, he's the professional's professional, and I just kind of sit there and and uh, soak all soak it all in. The, the, I'll give you this moment though, and we'll move on, which is so we're in that we we have our own separate room, like right, like so because he's Dave, the access people who are awesome, uh, Sean Graben and and those guys. Uh, Adam Swift, they you know they just take care of us, and so they had we had a separate room, and then we had guys who were scheduled to come in, and um, you know they were also doing meet and greets and stuff there. So you'd see Juice Robinson come over, and Juice Robinson says you know comes in and and says hi, and I think he and Dave are actually recording tomorrow. He, Dave, and Brian Alvarez are are going to do a show probably tomorrow, and then you see just other guys, you know, Kenta's walking by, and you know say hi, and then Tanahashi walks by. And Dave goes, Tanahashi. And you hear, hear this deep voice. Yes, I am. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> oh, so awesome. I was like, that was like the most perfect response I could ever think of from from Tanahashi. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was totally cool. So uh, before we, we move on to other stuff, you mentioned that you thought Coda was, uh, was, your, was your pick. But being that he got hurt, um, it kind of you kind of wonder what what's going to happen. So this weekend uh, there are, if you count Monday, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, there's three shows in a row. So for Saturday, the uh, the the big the big matches are uh, Jay White against Goto, Ishii and Jeff Cobb, like we said, Yano against uh, Naito. Moxley against Taichi, and uh, Juice against uh, Shingo Takagi. So. You know, solid. Not not the the super super dream matchups, except for Jeff and uh, and, and Ishii. Uh, and then the following day is uh, is the other side, and so we have Lance Archer and Bad Luck Fale, Osprey and Sonata, which would be great. Okada and Zack Saber Jr., which would be awesome as always. Kota against Evil, and now we'll see. You know how how mobile he is. He he. It's been it will it will have been a week since he hurt his foot. And but then you know you got the traveling and everything and going back to Japan and and I'm sure that doesn't help, and uh, so we'll see what where, where Koda's at and then uh, Tanahashi and Kenta. Now the question I wanted to ask you about this match is a lot of uh, you know a lot of fans are really watching Kenta like with a microscope because they're wondering like okay you know he was in WWE for so long and then he got hurt and then they kind of made him change his style and this and that and is he going to be you know is he going to be the kenta that he was and a lot of people think that that coda match was maybe not the best match now you know to have a match with tanahashi um you know maybe the the expectations are even higher because tanahashi doesn't really have too many bad matches or too many matches that are that are that don't live up to expectation so what are you expecting with this one Expecting to be really good. I expect Tanahashi to bring the best out of Kenta. I believe it's going to be a slower story. 
it's going to be a really well, a really thought out and story of the match. Um, I, I think you got to go Kenta with the win here again. I think you really got to go, you know, all in on Kenta early on in this tournament. Um, he needs to be either in the finals or on the last day going into the finals, you know, kind of thing. Um, because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're making a big investment. I feel it's unfair to people that put this expectation of Kenta, that he's going to be Kenta from Noah, uh-huh. when, one, he's older, two, he's had a no- number of injuries to his shoulder that was you know very severe, that was delayed his return to WWE, which delayed a lot of stuff for him in WWE, Um I still think he's really good. I, and I think that, I think personally that match with Kenta, with, with the Kota Bushi um, in Dallas proved that he still has definitely a lot of, a lot of gas in that tank and he can deliver a great match. So I think it's going to be really, really good. And, you know, and you're in there with the master of all masters and Tanahashi. And I, I mean, I get excited. This is what, so cool about Tanahashi matches. Cause to me, they're always different. You know, he he just he just knows how to take the best of his opponent and incorporate it to a, a really well told tell well told story. And I'm gonna see what they come up with, and I think it's gonna be great. And bam, I'm pumped for that match. <laughs> I know. So yeah, you know, I mean, I'm excited for Ishii and Jeff Cobb for Saturday and then Sunday. Man, I'm just like I I, I can't wait to dive into Kanta versus Tanahashi. And then Monday, man, it's Yano. And Takagi, Juice and Goto, which would be good. And then Jeff Cobb and John Moxley. <laughs> it's wow. like Jesus. Yeah. And then Ishii and Jay White, which would be really good. And then Naito and Taichi as well. So we have three cards in a row. Then they take uh, two days off and then they come back on Thursday. So we will, uh, in our next show, we will talk about the first well, we've already talked about show one, and we'll talk about the other three, kind of, and then leading into the next uh, the next few shows. So, the uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up is uh, we'll switch over to WWE because you know this whole crazy weekend that we're talking about. You have G one on Saturday and Sunday. If you want to watch these other shows, you also have Fight for the Fallen, which we'll talk about in a second on Saturday. And then WWE is running an Evolve show head-to-head against Fight for the Fallen uh, on the WWE Network. And then on Sunday is uh, WWE's own Extreme Rules. So I kind of want to talk about the Extreme Rules show. It's I, I, I can't say that I'm completely up-to-date with uh, storylines and such because I'm not really watching Raw or SmackDown. But there is a, a sort of a piece of news that came out of that SmackDown show, which is people discussing the Kevin Owens promo against Shane McMahon, which I I, I wasn't exactly sure. I, I it, You know, people are comparing it to the CM Punk promo. I think the CM Punk promo felt a little bit more sort of like, like you could believe that the Punk promo was possibly uh, off script in, in some instances. This one didn't feel like that at all to me. Uh, and you know Kevin Owens, I think they're sort of they, they may be positioning him as is like a Austin McMahon kind of thing. I don't know if he's the right guy necessarily for that, but he uh, he went uh, aggressively after Shane McMahon, 
who calls himself the best in the world and who, you know, Kevin Owens said that nobody likes in the back. And, you know, when, when the McMahons came in and said, you know, they're going to start listening to the fans and they shove Shane McMahon in everyone's throat and the fans don't want to see Shane McMahon, which is actually not true because when Shane McMahon came back for WrestleMania 32 three years ago, like the fans went nuts for the guy. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, he gets chased away by the by the uh, the police or whatever the security guards and hightails it out of there what did you think of the whole thing and i mean did did you buy it like do you feel he's the right guy for this did did did, did it feel uh organic enough to where you're like oh, i'm kind of interested in what they're gonna do here um i didn't of course you know i could see through that easily it's just obviously i think obviously it's a work but like i, I mean at least they're doing something a little different, little. I like how they started to the show like Owens cutting off a graphic between like Shane Balor and Nakamura. I mean, sorry, Finn Balor and, and uh, Nakamura. Uh, you know, I, I think it's good. It's a positive um, to change the same old format that WWE's been having on their main shows for a while now. Um, is he the guy? We'll see. I think it's just a step for uh, leading into Shane's new next program, which is you know now it's going to be against Kevin Owens. Um, Kevin Owens doesn't have the verbal chops to pull this off. Um, he has a, the wrestling skill to have a good match with Shane. So I, I, I think it'll be a very entertaining program. I mean, right off the bat, you can tell it's a work. Obviously, they're not cutting away from it. Um, uh, Owens is saying Shane McMahon, not just Shane. If you're really upset with someone in real life, you're not just saying they're saying their full name. They're really just saying their, saying their first name, which, which a lot of wrestling promos have that issue with because – um, you know, it's more realistic when you, you know, I don't say Garrett Gonzalez, I say Garrett, right? Right. You know, when you're talking about people. And um, I learned that a long time ago from Jerry Jarrett, actually, which is funny because I, I was, you know, communicating with Jerry Jarrett, sending him stuff that I was booking at APW at the time. And I remember I sent him his promo with Oliver John. He like, really loved Oliver John. He's like, man, if I had Oliver John in Memphis in the 80s, he would be a superstar. And but he would say, like, you know, make sure you tell the guys not to say full names because it's not realistic. And I just remember remember that that uh, that lesson from him. So but I, I, when I was watching it today, because, you know, we're going to knew we we're going to talk about this moment with Kevin Owens. I just that kind of stood out with me like, you know, you know, this just just is a red flag for a work. And a guy says the guy's complete name. And he's talking about the other guy. So. But yeah, I, I think it's like I said, it's different. It's uh, new and freshens up Kevin Owens, who has just been kind of a, you know, doing a whole lot of nothing since you know because they, they had a, they had really a direction for him seemed like to me. Mm-hmm. So now they do. So I think it's a good thing. And they've been they've been pretty unorganized when it just come to to what they're going to do with him. Because if you remember mm-hmm. when he got hurt, then he came back like they were doing these vignettes with him at like a bowling alley is like a just a regular guy family man and then when daniel bryan didn't have an opponent for wrestlemania they kind of shot him as a uh, into into that uh into that program as a heel so it was like abrupt because you know they needed a guy and then um you know kofi gets the spot and he's just been kind of like just didn't didn't really have a direction and so like you said now he does have a direction hopefully you know what the part that i didn't like about this is 
I know they're not trying to portray him as a tough guy. Like he's he's that's that's not his character. The character is not as like this badass guy, right? He's just like a, he's a he's a fun pro wrestler family man. That's who he is. But when he ran away from the security guards, I was like, because I, I was like, I was kind of into it, right? I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. He's like going off on Shane, and Shane's you know, try, you know, Shane's the guy who's kind of in charge, and he's you know getting his mic shut off and everything. And then when the security guards come out and he runs, I was like, uh, and it kind of lost me after that. Yeah, he's about as tough as Joey Janela. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Speaking of Joey Janela, did like did that whole thing? Uh, why? why like, I, I don't know. Someone asked me today, like, why do people care about that? And I was like, oh, you know, they care just because it's, you know, sort of feels like something that you're not supposed to see or whatever but <laughs> Joey Janela for those who don't know Joey Janela and Enzo were at a Blink 182 concert <laughs> and they kind of squared off but it looked like Janela was either like Enzo kept saying he was drunk but it looked like Janela was like not really interested and was like trying to be friendly maybe and Enzo was like trying to square off and Janela's kind of backing down a little bit but so I got a text um last night that said that this that that this thing happened and that i thought maybe like janella walked up to enzo and tried to shake his hand or something and enzo slapped it away and then that's what happened it was something like that but you know to see janella maybe you know he's got to know that cameras are around right like that was not a good look for the guy i just can't believe how tiny he was he's a small guy like i mean i don't know maybe he's like five seven or five eight but i mean he's in good shape like, yeah. he's, he's got a physique. Like for that video, I thought it was Marco Stunt. That, that me, I thought exactly the same thing. Yeah, which is was crazy. You know, I don't know. It was just, you know, it's funny. Like, I remember, like, on my Twitter feed, just kind of scrolling through, and I saw something. I'm like, I didn't even click on it at first. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. But then that kept popping up, popping up, like, I'll watch this ridiculous crap. And then I'm, like, watching it, and then I just see, like, Janela just backing up from Enzo, of all people, who's, you know. I know public enemy number one in WWE locker room and and you know it's just it's just funny it was just it was just silly crap you know pressing crap yeah but the, the, I mean the thing about it is like Janela's whole gimmick is that he's like so tough because he puts his body through all these kind of crazy things mm-hmm. and then he's so tough that Enzo puts his dukes up and he kind of like kind of goes into the shadows a little bit eh, you know it's it's not it's you know, he's not portraying a tough guy like in, in, in like that he can, you know, shoot on people or whatever. But I just thought like that. I, I felt I kind of felt bad for him. I was like, oh, this this makes you look a little a little bad. But, you yeah, know, it's not going to hurt anything is he has his loyal fan. Yeah, totally. And he's a really he's smart guy. Too. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a smart guy. He knows he, he has a pulse on his fan base and knows how to get the most out of them. So, yeah. So, uh, WWE's Extreme Rules show is this weekend. I'm just going to want to run down all the matches, and I want to hear how excited you are to see <laughs> these matches. Just, you know, just for either from an in-ring or just your interest. And you can you can verbalize this any way that you, you want possible. So, we'll go from the bottom up. Um, this is according to Wikipedia. So, we have the Revival versus the Usos for the WWE ta- Raw Tag Team Championship. You want to go match by match? Yeah, just I just I literally just want to know your interest like 
like a quick sentence about your interest for the for each match. Moderate. <laughs> Bra- Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley, last man standing. Uh, lukewarm. Ricochet versus AJ Styles for the U.S. Championship. Uh, warm. Alistair Black versus Cesaro in a singles match. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in that one. I, th- I think it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a big moment for Alistair. He's, it's a big match for him, and he's with the guy that's going to deliver. So I think, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to to see how he comes out after that match. Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the champs, versus New Day versus Heavy Machinery for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if it was Heavy Machinery and Rowan and and Dan Bryan again, I'd probably be really into it. But with New Day in there, I'm not really. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be fun, but not that looking forward. I'm not a big New Day fan. Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight Championship. Mm, I don't really care. That, they should have put that on the Evolve show and just let them wrestle like a really, you know, 20 minute yeah. match or whatever. That's, that's a smart idea. But like, I just, I like Gulak a lot. I think he's great. I just, I mean, Tony Nese, I just don't. I think he's a good wrestler, but like, and and knowing they're gonna give it nine minutes, yeah, yeah, and it's gonna be on the pre-show, right? I assume so. I probably miss it anyways. Bailey as the champion versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross in a handicap match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Mm, no, no interest. Just never have any interest in Bailey anymore. And I like Nikki Cross a lot, and I, and I like Bliss's like, entrance. I think she always. Like, you know, great theme song, great entrance, but once the bell rings, it's just yeah. I think I think the reason why it's a handicap match is because something wrong with Bliss. I don't I don't think it's a, like an actual injury, but they're I think they're covering for something going on with her. Hmm. Um, Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. Um, interested just because I hope they put the belt on Joe. Yeah, me too. Because I think it's a, this, you know Kofi's run it was like i said it was a great win great moment but it's you know something that shouldn't have been long term definitely not a long-term champion guy and even though i find it silly that ricochet beat joe and then if you're gonna put the then that's like that's gonna lead to joe winning the belt i think it's kind of silly but at the same time i think joe's like a good guy to be the champ all right now these are the two matches that wwe's banking on to sell this show the Undertaker and Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. No holds barred tag team match. I'm interested just because I'm um, just want to see how the Undertaker's going to look. You know, he hasn't been looking the greatest, and you know, not not no, you know, poor guy. You know, he's older and been through the wars and coming off surgeries to his hips and all that. And but I hope uh, with the no holds barred gimmick. You know, we can some smoke and mirrors. It ends up being a good match. Um, you know, Reigns always brings it. Always has really good matches. McIntyre's same thing. Really good. They had a great match the last pay per view together. Shane, he's going to do his crazy wacky stunts. So I think they can. They'll definitely lay out a fun match. I think this match is actually going to be pretty good. And then the main event. This is so weird. So Seth and Becky. The couple. Um, by the way, did you see Seth Rollins' new shirt? No, no. The man's man. 
Oh man. <laughs> Should be oh man. Like, oh. Because, okay. Oh, my goodness gracious. Garrett, this is not really happening. This is... I mean, uh, come on. Do you think <sighs> freaking Steve Austin would have oh something like this? Oh my god. I think Ric Flair would have something like this. What's this world coming to because of pro wrestling people? I mean, come on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And it's not it's not that I even think that he shouldn't be proud to to be with Becky because, you know, she's she's a freaking rock star. But I, I think he actually brings her down in this yeah. whole thing. So it's just kind of weird. I, think, I just think it kind of hurts them both, you know, yeah. like at least being at public, yeah. at least at least at least as, as characters, you know. I think, um, you know, I mean, I guess, I mean, this is going to look great in like in a couple of years when, you know, because, you know, we all know the solidarity of wrestling relationships. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, how the long lasting and forever loving uh, pro wrestling relationships are. So, my, my, my. Wow. <laughs> so, Seth, Seth, interested, though. Seth and Becky, this is a mixed tag versus Baron Corbin. And Lacey Evans. And so what I and this is my own fault because I'm not really following um, the shows very closely. But so winner take all. So all that has to happen is Baron Corbin pins Seth and Lacey Evans is the women's champion as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. That is so stupid. (laughs) The very this is a very honestly an ecw kind of thing you know I, this definitely has in my opinion paul Heyman's fingertips all over this one mm-hmm. and over the top stipulation um uh, i think i hope it's good you know i i i do i think i think lacy is improving i think being in a tag match helps her out a lot and and um you know, people, God, they hate, they can't stand Corbin, but I really like him. I think he's a, a good character, a good heel. I enjoy his work, and I, you know, I feel bad for the guy because people just don't give him his due. And I think he's a lot better than people, you know, people say. And um, and then Seth's always good. Seth Seth always delivers. So I think they're gonna go out there to prove something. Seth that definitely has to go out there and prove something, right? Because you know, he you know called out Osprey in those tweets, and which is was, was really ill-advised. Yeah, but you know he said it, and you know apologized later. But you know at the same time, now hey, now the spotlight's on you, bro. You got you got to deliver. And of course, he's he's that talented too. And if you can go out there and have this great match with you know people that don't you know with people that who like a Corbin who people don't take seriously and a Lacey who's still very green and and you know can go out there and they can create something that's you know hey gets positive review that's that's a big win so I just I'm more interested because of the pressure of that of of on Seth Rollins in this match and Mm -hmm. and, uh I, I hope they deliver so the only reason I'm excited for this show is because we're getting the band back together with uh, me and you and Rubio, a.k.a. the Heartbreak Kid, we're all going to watch a Big Dave. So even if the show sucks, we're still going to have a, a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to catch up. We're going to have a lot to talk about, definitely, with the shows 
from Saturday night to all that. So it's going to be fun. So uh, the other show that I kind of want to talk about, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, you know, the AEW Fighter Fest show. We talked about that from a couple weeks ago. Fight for the Fallen is a uh, charity show that they're putting on in Jacksonville. And I look at this card and it is definitely there are there I mean there's going to be good wrestling on it. There's always going to be good wrestling on AEW cards, but from a uh box office sort of standpoint um I don't I don't see I, I, this one to me seems like a little uh, a little bit weaker than than the rest of them. At least from the matches that I know that that are happening. Uh you know, obviously you got Kenny Omega and Shima, which is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Though to a casual fan base who is kind of getting introduced to AEW and heard from their friends how great Double or Nothing was and who gave Fighter Fest a chance, not not a marquee match for those fans, maybe more for the hardcore fans who, you know, we all want to see this match, uh, and, uh, and Cody and Dustin versus the Young Bucks, which coming off of Double or Nothing, I'm really excited for that match. I, I want to see what happens. I think we, we sort of believe that there's something going to happen with Sean Spears maybe in this match as well to, to kind of further the Cody and Sean Spears thing. But other than that, there is nothing really that uh, that, that jumps off the page. Um, you know, SoCal Uncensored against the Lucha Brothers, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I definitely want to see that match, but it's not like, a blood feud or it's just kind of a match that's put together. They don't, they don't really have a program going. So, um, just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, third and fourth on my list for this weekend, as far as things that I need to see. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, a lot of cold matches on the card. And, and I, I still think that the Dustin and Cody versus the Bucks match is being wasted on this show. I think it should have been on the, the pay-per-view, you know, especially coming off their great, match between them and the speech about being tag team partners their brothers and i just felt like it should be on the the bigger a bigger show and um omega versus sema is going to be really good i mean i personally know a lot about sema he's very talented he's a he's awesome um you know you have omega who's great but like for me like if i'm just watching how like sema leading into this match like as a casual viewer if if you've been following AEW's these last few shows like how pumped up are you? Because like Sema was just a guy in that six man tag at Double or Nothing. Um, it's a good match, a lot of great action. But like like I said when we reviewed that show, like neither of those it was never stood out. Those guys' personalities never stood out. So, you know Sema was just a guy out there doing really great moves. And then his match with Daniels at Fighter Fest, good match, nice good opener. Um, to the main card, but like it wasn't like man, you know, like I can't wait to see Sema take on the top guys now, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, they'll have a good match. I just mean like as like build interest, like you know, oh man, I can't wait to you guys collide. Is um, it's just not there for me. So, but we'll see what they have in store, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know really what's on the undercard. I think Lucha Brothers and. SCU, like you said, it's going to be good, but there's, you know, I think, I think, other than Phoenix spectacular moments, like I feel like as as you see Penta 
a lot, like you're getting the same match, same performance from him, you know. So, and, but the, the, I think I think the big thing is probably more interesting is going to be Chris Jericho's live mic and the whatever he's doing some like, interview segment or something like that he's going to be doing on the show. So, I think that's probably the most interesting part of the show. So that is also going to be free on Bleacher Report Live for those in the U.S. and it's on uh, the Fight app. I think for twenty bucks. Um, I really wish, again, I really wish they would not do these free shows because I, I you know, it. it yeah, I don't think it cheapens the product because I, I look at this as like a Clash Champions, like, like we talked about, but. If you're going to give a free show away, you should give it away to the most broadest audience possible. And so I'd love if like this was on a TNT special, like before they start their TV date, right? As like a, yeah. a like a hook and an lead in putting it on Bleacher Report Live. I, you know, I'm sure they got, you know, they got a good a good number of views for the last show. But um, again, uh, yeah, I, I just think it, it kind of makes it, uh, you know, that they had like a. They had they had a nice thing coming out of Double or Nothing that, that they could have capitalized on, but hey, you know, Tony Khan is not looking to uh, capitalize and the old uh, stepping over, you know, dollars to pick up dimes or, or whatever that saying is. I, I get that piece. I just I just look at it as like, man, we're giving away you know these shows for free on an app that not that many people are really watching. So. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, uh, let's move on. So, the only thing I wanted to talk about in the UFC show, uh, UFC 239, which is actually a pretty fun show. I got, I didn't see the entire thing, but I saw, um, I saw the top three fights, and I'm sure you've seen the clip of, of George Ma- uh, Masvidal and Ben Askren, the five second victory or whatever. You saw the flying knee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely watched that. Okay. So. My thought here is if you're Ben Askren and, you know, they brought him in immediately and his first two opponents are Robbie Lawler and Masvidal, like, welcome to the UFC. We hope you lose kind of fights, right? Yeah. Um, So if you're Askren, because obviously Askren has the gift of the gab. He knows how to market himself better than, you know, just about anybody not named Conor McGregor in that company. Like, what do you think his move is as far as how does he come back from this loss in which Masvidal very much wanted to to show that, you know, maybe Askren is more mouth than anything else? How, how does he rehab his image from a, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm asking the booking side of you, but how, how would you bring him back? to uh to kind of get back into the swing of things after this devastating loss well luckily you have a guy who has the gift of gab who can talk himself talk himself in the fans believing his shtick because he's really good at it like he's probably like you said the best second the best promo in ufc now um i would book him with a guy that he can out wrestle you know a pure striker now I wouldn't advise him to try to go for a run for a takedown like right away at a striker. I would like to see him kind of, you know, you know, go slowly into the takedown, work into it, you know. But you know, he made a big mistake, and you know, I, I love this tweet though. Well, that sucked. <laughs> that yeah, perfect. it did. It sucked. <laughs> I thought that was perfect, and you know, perfect Ben. Oh yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I would give him. A, I would give him another striker again. I think he. I think you. You need to give him over that hump. I know it's somebody saying let's give him another wrestler, and he can kind of out wrestle that guy because he's one of the you know one of the best wrestlers ever. But I like to see him test himself with another striker, but someone he could beat. Have him hopefully, hopefully maul that guy and not get caught, and you know, you know, cut a great promo at the end if he, you know if he wins and. You know, he, he'll be fine. And I think he's going to want that challenge again because, you know, he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed and losing five seconds and the way he did. And so, I, you know, I think he want to get back in there and, and, and prove to the UFC fans and the MMA fans around the world that, you know, he's still one of the best. The big thing coming out of that show was the uh, the split decision uh, in the main event, John Jones against Tiago Santos. I thought the decision was fine, three to two Jones. I thought that was the right decision. But what was funny was coming out of the the fight, basically Dana White was like anybody who thought John Jones lost this fight is an idiot. I'm like, mm, no, this fight was really close. <laughs> and also Jones was like, nah, I don't think we need to give him a rematch. I like him too much. I don't think fans would buy it. Which to me is code language for that was really hard, and I, I'm not sure if I want to do that again. Did Jones come in taking it lightly? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that was part part of it. Um, but he was fighting a guy on one leg. The guy, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. tore every ligament in his knee, and Jones did not go for the finish or try to attack him and 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 you know really take advantage of it. So I don't, I mean, I don't know what he was doing. He, he was fighting really safe, and, you know, he said that uh, that he thought he was winning, so he's just going to continue to do what he was doing. And I was like, all right, dude, but the scorecards did show that, you know, this fight was really close. So I just Was found, it I, close as you watched it? Was it were – were you feeling the drama or or no? Or you just felt that, you know, in the end, Jones is going to win this decision? So I thought going into the fifth round that Jones was up 3-1. Um one of those rounds was pretty close, so I thought it could be 2-2, but I thought it was 3-1, and then I thought Santos won the last round. I think the other thing that was really maybe could have swayed people is just the fact that Santos was hurt. It was clear that he was hurt, and he was still fighting so courageously. So that could have been on the minds of people as they were sort of watching this, because people were just rooting for Santos to mm-hmm. to do it, you know? So, But I just I just find Jones and Dana White both so like disingenuous like just a bunch of liars and like yeah yeah i know yeah, there's just that of jones i just can't stand but it sounds like santos got over but, yeah you know absolutely. so that's good i mean it's good for him and you know when he comes back in a year or whatever how long it's gonna take for his recovery from his injuries i think he'll be you know more popular now so that's good that's good for them yeah, so uh, you know, there's another UFC show this weekend. It is also at the, at the bottom of my list for stuff to to do. I I, I don't imagine I'll watch even one second Ooh, of that main show. Main event in that. Uh, God. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 exactly. I, I thought about it. I I, I, I should know this. Um. Uh, let's see if we can figure this out quickly. Um, because so so this was UFC two thirty two thirty nine. Um, and so what is the next show according to, oh, it's, um, it's the Sacramento show. So Uri Faber, he's, he's not in the main event, but he's, uh, he's kind of the that's, main, the main draw for this show. 
I can't believe I'm just talking to Dave Dutcher about the show. Like, <laughs> the top, I said how quickly I forgot about it. But no, I was thinking too, like, dude, bro, thank God Pacquiao and Thurman is not this weekend. I know. And it's, I'm pretty pumped for that fight for next Saturday. And I hope we get, hope everything works out. We can be at Oak Ridge Mall in the movie theater and, and watch it again. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, so wait. So I think I think I actually have a dinner scheduled that night. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll, we'll <laughs> figure out what what, what what we can do. But yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be a great one, and we'll talk about that next week. Okay, so I kind of sped through some of this stuff a little bit not that you know not that we had to sit there and do a full-on fight for the fallen preview or anything but the reason why i sped through it is because you and i uh we were behind one week on raw and our, our raw recaps from 1993 and so we wanted to double up and to catch up you know i think we're like four or five days behind the you know the the date in 1993 but that that's fine but, you know at some point you know i th- i think um i think we'll actually be slightly ahead because Surv- uh, SummerSlam is on a monday and i know they didn't run a raw that same monday so Plus there's th- a dog show coming up sometime right in the fall right yeah week. so 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 we'll be we'll be ahead of the pace uh as as it happens so i'm not i'm not too worried about that but we had two Raws, Raw uh, 23 and 24, and right smack dab in the middle of uh, of the two shows was the Stars and Stripes Challenge with uh, at the U.S. Intrepid. When you were growing up watching this, did you think that they were actually going to show that live somewhere? I thought so. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was looking for it, actually. But thank God, because it's three hours long, and I'd rather have the highlights, which we will get in the next eight to ten weeks i think yeah yeah so it was actually the the whole thing was an hour and it was all b-roll footage like there like it wasn't shot like for a tv presentation it was shot for highlights and b-roll yeah um and so you have todd pettengill as the announcer in the mid in the middle of the ring and macho man is there but it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be like a, a television event, and so you you know it wasn't mic'd very well and stuff. But um, we'll, we'll talk about it after Raw twenty three because the uh, this show kind of led it. You know they're hyping this whole thing up for the whole show, and I kind of felt like Raw twenty three was just a throwaway show as it was. Um, but I mean you you got you got Shawn Michaels, which you know they're they're really pushing the hell out of Shawn Michaels right now. You got the Yoko interview. I thought the best thing on the show was uh, Money Incorporated uh, getting getting down on uh, on uh, Razor Ramon, but yeah, not not a great show. So we'll quickly go through the go through this stuff because it, it was very segmented. There wasn't a lot of like news coming out of it. But so first match, like the show, literally opens with Shawn Michaels and Kamala. That like I'm trying to I'm watching this match trying to think if I've seen a worse Shawn Michaels match in my life. No, no, no. First of all, I actually thought this was a good Raw. I remember I got... <laughs> oh, this we're, dis- why, we're disagreeing why, on this one. This is why people love our show. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we don't talk... We all have different... We have different opinions. And yes. we love to talk about wrestling. Yes, so, yes, yes. Okay, first of all, I got your, te- your text. You said, Raw 23 sucked. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the sucky show. <laughs> now, I watched it. 
And I liked it because I felt like it built really well to the next episode mm-hmm. leading up to the big things. Now, <laughs> I saw the description on, on my WWE Network and I saw Shawn Michaels versus Kamala. And I'm like, hell yes, because I love style clash matches Yes, like this. I just think it's their fun. I like to see what a guy like Sean could do with a Kamala. And I was personally entertained by this match. I think Sean was absolutely fantastic. I didn't, I felt like to me he wasn't just like not into it. I felt he was out there to prove a point. Like I'm going to go out there and have a great match. Well, I wouldn't say it, call, I wouldn't say it was great. I would call it a, a very good match with Kamala and Kamala was perfect in his role as this savage who, you know, is unguided now only by the, with help from the fans. And I thought, I thought it worked really well and I I really enjoyed it. Okay. So they're really dialing up the Kamala is like without Kim Chi. He is like the dumbest human being in 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 the world like they're really like they're they're really dialing that part of it up which i i I don't know it's it's one of those things where you kind of have to turn your brain off a little bit um so there fits his character his character he's you know he's uh from you know a savage from yeah you know africa and yeah but but i but i remember him having world title matches with hulk hogan in 1987 and he knew how to pin hulk hogan i know but we're this, but you know how WWF is. This Kamala, when he came back, they never talked about how he was a you know one-time title challenger for Hulk Hogan. They set house show records. You know what I mean? There was a whole new character when he came back. You know, from my from my memory at least. And yeah, it is silly, and it was silly at moments. But for that character, I thought it fit. I thought it made sense. Okay, so there's a very long bear hug spot that goes through the commercial, which that's kind of what those kind of spots are for uh, on live TV matches. You know, you go through the commercial so the the viewing audience doesn't miss anything. Fine. Um, Long working Kamala's poor leg and him screaming like a bear caught in a bear trap. Love that. Um, And then... (laughs) He beats Kamala with a super kick to the back of the head that had like almost a full second delayed reaction by Kamala to actually get go down on the blow. I just I just thought the whole thing was now, you know, we know that in in the future years, Michaels would become very frustrated with certain things like I, I wonder how I wonder what he thought after this match, because the the whole thing is for Diesel to finally come in and clean up. Like Kamala's frustrated losing the match and and he gets up and 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 Diesel comes in and kind of saves Sean and and finally shows that, you know, he he is this badass guy and he's Sean's bodyguard. But the the match in of itself is just like I, and, and this is what I think of these Raws, because they did it again in, in 24. And and maybe this is not actually what the plan is but i feel like when they're doing some of these tapings like the second show of the taping or maybe the last show of the taping they have these longer matches just because they're trying to fill whatever the second show is like the live show is the one that they're really fired up about and then that second show they're like okay like we got to fit you know we'll fill up some with some long matches in, in the show 
but I just I thought it was long. I thought it was boring. I thought Kamala was dumb. He he was he was frustrating me. And uh, I, I mean, I think there, I didn't think there's anything wrong with 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 Sean. I thought Sean Sean was really good, but I just it was just like it's like it's like let's figure out a way to make one of our most exciting wrestlers in the company. Let's like test him and 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 see if you know he can have this match with a guy who is really kind of hard to have a match that he will shine in. And I, I don't know. I, I, I get the styles clash thing. Like I understand what you're saying because that's what kind of what raw is. And we'll see that again with, you know, you have like these weird matches like undertaker and Samu is, 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 uh, is the, is the next show, but just, I don't know. It just seemed like, like the kind of, you know, when, when you're talking about WWE TV in 1993, it was the primetime wrestling match that would run through two commercials and you're just sitting there going like, when is something going to happen? Like Raw was supposed to be different. And I, I felt like that was kind of like what we would get on some of these long, you know, 15 to 18 minute primetime matches. Yeah, I like what I like about the match. I like I like the leg stuff, you know, Sean working on his leg. I, and my favorite part was like when Kamala hit that splash and like he registered the pain of the of the leg, you know. I thought that was cool. And it was funny, right when he went for the splash, I thought that I hope I hope he hope he registers that mm-hmm. that that knee. And he did and I was like so happy when he did that. But um yeah and I like I like the ending. I like the the brawl at the end. I like what a dick man Sean is, right? Like he's <laughs> you know he takes some cheap shots on Kamala, but then here comes his bodyguard, yep. right? The big monster who God Diesel was green as fuck. Like those <laughs> those kids <laughs> Those kicks were so bad. Like that's like, I felt like they're like manager pussy kicks. Like I used to do right when mm-hmm. I was managing. Like it's just, just maybe because he's wearing those boots or something like that. I don't know. It just, it just looked bad. But you know, overall, I thought you know, when he finally mounted Kamala and started pounding on him, I thought that was cool. Then Sean did the same thing, which is, which is great. So I, I, I enjoyed it. So the next segment is an interview with uh, with Yokozuna. And Vince McMahon is dialing up the xenophobia in this interview like nobody's business. It didn't really bother me as much when I was a kid, but it bothered me a lot more now. And, you know, we talked about this when we were talking about our WrestleMania recap where Hogan uses like the derogatory, you know, name for Japanese people. It comes up again later, too. Next episode. And so it's just like. I get it. He's tr- really trying to to hype the hell out of this, you know, this U.S. this Fourth of July thing, but it comes off as super ugly American. And Vince is just on a rampage with this whole thing that uh, it comes off. Uh, it kind of comes off distasteful to me. But you know, they they are doing a really good job about making you interested in this whatever this Fourth of July body slam challenge thing is. They're bringing in real football players, um, Joe Morris. George Martin, uh, the WWE guys, Tatanka, we'll get to it, but they they even have NBA guys and NHL guys. So the good part of it is like, I'm just like going like, oh, wow, I really want to see this sort of mix of like real sports and, 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 and wrestling. But at the same time, I'm just like Vince is on a war path, you know, trying to get the U.S. over and 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 the Japanese and trying to make the Japanese like you know really bad like yeah Lex Lex uh, in 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 the at, at the U.S. Intrepid Lex 
like makes a sushi joke. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, come I on, mean, guys. there's some cringeworthy stuff, especially. And Vince did have some cringeworthy stuff, but what I was, it was impressed by Vince was how he controlled that interview. Oh yeah, like he led that thing to where he wanted to go, how he wanted it to be sold. Like I thought that was really good, and Yoko was very good, and it was interesting because I forgot that Yoko spoke English in his promos mm-hmm. like i thought that came on later i think i remember like i think they had him stop doing english promos and i think i remember when he turned babyface and cut like a full uh, english promo i thought that i remember they kind of played it up as a big deal but i totally forgot he actually cut an english promo and um and fuji was better too i think that's because actually vince was really leading him really well yep yep um and so then uh there was a Smoking Guns versus Barry Horowitz and Iron Mike Sharp a match. See, this is the match where I wish it would have gone a little bit longer uh, because, I don't know, I got a kick out of uh, Barry and, and Iron Mike being on Raw together as a team. But what's the Smoking Guns finisher here for this match? It was like the uh, um, kind of like the over-the-shoulder backbreaker and um you know, Billy comes off the top with like an elbow drop and it's kind of like sort of like the Steiners thing, but looked shittier, you know, and, <laughs> and obviously, thank God they changed it to the sidewinder, which yeah. was, which, which was, was one of my favorite tag team finishing moves. Yep. Uh, so then after this is uh, the Money Inc. interview that I that I mentioned. Yeah, so fantastic. I loved it so much. So. You know, the, the, obviously, the they had previously lost the tag team titles to the Steiner brothers, so they come out. IRS says, you know, because they're so smart, they in their contract, they're going to get a return match. And then, <clears throat> because because this is money related, which is Razor Ramon giving money to a guy just to have a match with him, DiBiase just starts talking razor ramon down i was just like wow i really want to see this match right now <laughs> like let's bring razor out and razor and dibiase one-on-one let's go like that's how good his his promo was and then uh irs calls him uh instead of razor ramon he calls him razor jabron i was like ah, oh, i didn't think i realized that they used that kind of terminology back then yeah, even I, in 93 i didn't know and i thought like i thought like I probably back then said that wasn't that funny, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tibiasi was amazing. Just just like that one interview, bam! I know Razor was starting to be cheered, yep. right? Yep. Like and but like, I mean, if he wasn't, man, Tibiasi did a great job. But you wanted to, even though you didn't like Razor, you still wanted to see him smack the the lips right off of Tibiasi. Man, he's such being such an asshole. Right. Yep. yep. And um, I thought this was great, and like that definitely the highlight of the show. And I thought, like, I don't, I remember Diviasi running down Razor, but I don't remember being this good. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think that Diviasi is on his way out in a few in a in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, so then there's a there's a quick squash match with Adam Bomb and BJ Walker. Uh, he wins with the power bomb. Johnny Polo kind of gets a little bit more into it. You know, he gets a little bit more um, TV time. So they're they're building Adam Bomb very slowly. Mm-hmm. He's been impressive every time. He's an impressive athlete. 
uh, and 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 yeah, they're just bringing him up like you know, like WWE can do. Like this is what they were really, really good at, even in 1983. Yeah, good solid stuff. Building a new guy up. Um, like to see uh, Adam Bomb do the power bomb towards the hard cam <laughs> <laughs> next time. But uh, yeah, he looked impressive. Um, I always like Brian Clark, Adam Bomb. I always like to see him, especially when he would do the top rope stuff here he didn't do anything on the top rope but he did that cool slingshot clothesline which always looked good yeah i like i liked that bomb when you know it just kind of like nothing happened with him after you know soon yeah <laughs> they kind of just dropped they either drop interest in him or they turn him a baby face and he starts throwing footballs to people it's weird so then the main event segment of the show is bastion booger <laughs> versus crush and so we we've seen him prior uh, prior as Friar Ferguson, and um, this is their way of bringing him back. And so they put him in this outfit, which makes his back because it squeezes his back fat into like a humpback. And so Bobby the Brain Heenan is saying that he he could never get pinned because he's got this humpback, which reminded me of the uh, the old WCW thing of the idea of the humpbacks as a tag team that uh that you know from from back in the day uh but um i i think i think the idea for this match was to put crush in with an opponent who was heavy so mm-hmm. that when he slammed him it's like okay now crush is possibly going to slam yokozuna and and I think that's the it happens. Crush slams him three times, and and that's how he he just pins him after the third slam. But they screw up on a backdrop, and so it looks like Crush can't backdrop this heavy guy. And I thought, ugh, like you're trying to show that Crush is this powerhouse dude, and they screw up a backdrop, and it makes you know it looks a little weak. But then they come back with the three body slams, and he does, you know, he 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 looks, you know, he's fired up, and 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 it is pretty good for for kind of leading into what they're going to for that weekend on Fourth of July. Yeah, this this is why I like I like the match. I liked it because it's exactly what it was there for to show Crush body slam a heavy guy to get you hyped up that this is going to be the man that is going to stand up for usa and body slam body slam yokozuna keeps you off that scent of someone else right yep i thought that was great the backdrop yes it was messed up bastion booger didn't go up lightly for it and (laughs) crush wasn't ready for it and it was just it was ugly but i thought they recovered i think this was probably one of crush's better performances at least with the you know i thought it was fine i thought it was a good match i didn't think it wasn't that bad and um you know crush god man he comes out and just sucks the air out of the building like he has like you know rest in peace but geez man he's just like has no charisma as a baby face at yeah, all like, yeah 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 like it's even it's better. even it's more apparent in the next show because yeah. they try they give him that opportunity in the next show and he just doesn't deliver no, no, no. He doesn't have a doesn't have the chops to pull off. But as a heel, I think he does really well. I, I, I liked him as my favorite crush was obviously Demolition Crush. Mm-hmm. Even though it was short lived, I thought he looked just really cool when he added something to that team. Um, and I like was <laughs> Convict Crush too. I kind of liked what they did with him there. And once he became freaking 
DOA kind of stuff, I kind of lost lost it just pretty fast. But but like, or also liked his uh, team with Yoko when he was mm-hmm, uh, he started mm-hmm. bringing up the face paint, the purple and the black. I thought uh, I thought they looked. Uh, I, th- I thought he did really well. I think he's not definitely he's definitely a better heel. Um, you know, I know he you know Marcus Mack is probably going to listen to this, and he loves Crush as a kid. He loved, loved <laughs> Kool Aid Crush. So, and you know, as a kid, I you know I was excited for Crush too, and, then, and like that music was awesome. Oh yeah, the know? music is awesome. The theme music hit, you're like, yeah. But then like he comes out, and you're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro, show some fire. <laughs> so they they show the video game Royal Rumble for the Super Nintendo, which was Man. a super fun game. I really like that game, so it's kind of a kick to see that that commercial for the. I, did you ever play the arcade Royal Rumble game? Oh yeah, that was great. Awesome. Um, so the uh, the Stars and Stripes uh, Body Slam Challenge show was on the Sunday, July fourth. Like I said, I'll go over it with Jason Hagholm, and we'll do it as a bonus show, and we'll go over like a lot of the guys that that were in it and kind of what they were trying to do. So on the WWE Network, I think you have to look it up under Lex Express because I looked it up under the the challenge and like the, it didn't find it. But if I found it under Lex Luger and then you know the Lex Express, it's a th- is it a hidden gem? I think it's a hidden gem. It's a three hour show. The first hour is the Body Slam Challenge, and then I tried to figure out what the next few minutes were. The Literally the next 10 minutes was the Lex Express bus being driven and just footage of the bus moving with no audio. <laughs> so wow. it's like it's like so dumb. Like and so I turned it off. So I don't know what is is in the rest of the three hours. I'm sure a lot of stuff with Luger and, and being on the bus and all that stuff. But um but so Raw twenty four opens and the first thing I thought of and, and I think this was actually pretty smart which is as they're recapping the first 12 minutes of this show is literally all recap of the body slam challenge. They show all the guys going, you know, Steiner, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner slaps Yokozuna in the face before he tries to body slam him. The former uh, New York, New York giants foot, great running back from the, the mid eighties, Joe Morris. He tries to like put Yokozuna on his back for the body slam. Like really weird. Um, and you know, they had a lot of guys that the one that, that I was like, man, how did this guy just not get into wrestling was Freilich. Yeah. Freilich was a, he was definitely had the, the, the passion to be a, a good wrestler. Of course, you know, he did some stuff, obviously WrestleMania two, right. in The battle Royal. And so he's the only guy who had a clue to do how to do a worked body slam. So yeah, he, he looked good. Uh, so after uh, Macho Man, well, actually, I'll, I'll get to what I was going to say, which was uh, no Bret Hart, right? Bret Hart is the top baby face in WWF at this time, and he is not trying to body slam Yokozuna. Well, he's and- Canadian. Oh, true. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. But I thought it was smart to not even have him on the show because if he's not going to slam Yokozuna and get the title shot, like, why do you want to show him fail? Yeah, yeah, at you doing this, you don't want to do that and and have him be overshadowed by Luger's babyface turn. Yeah, that was smart. The, but the, the, did you 
Did you also think like, man, those American wrestlers are a bunch of assholes. Like, <laughs> fucking Tatanka's chopping. What the hell was he even doing? He didn't even try to body slam him. He's, you know, this is funny because I was like, man, they really treated Tatanka like a jobber here. Yeah. Like, yeah, he got his ass kicked, leg dropped, and then he ends up losing to Ludwig Borga, I think, coming up soon, like his first loss in a, in a Actually, I think at the SummerSlam pay-per-view, that's where it happens. Um, so I'm like, maybe he's now kind of on the downslide after being such a hot, you know, new, fresh baby face. Oh, yeah. I thought, I, mean, I thought he was done. I'm, I'm like, let's put the title on this guy. Yeah, this guy's like, I mean, I love yeah, this guy. And then, and then Rick Steiner's punching. <laughs> Steiner lines. <laughs> Steiner lines. <laughs> and then freaking Scott smacks him like a bitch. Like, boom. <laughs> And then he's, I'm like, man, us, us Americans are a bunch of assholes. Right? I know. Even Luger uses that illegal forearm, right? The the still play. It's like, oh god. I guess they really. I guess within the context of the highlights, they really didn't like get over that they're trying to soften up, you know, Yoko. But like at the same time, I'm thinking like, well, look, Yoko, you're an idiot, just sitting there taking these moves, you know, yeah. not doing anything about it. Well, finally, he does it to Tahaka, but everyone else well, well, there, there's one where I think he even, like, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Rick Steiner or something, where he gets just popped, like, a couple times, can't slam him, and then Yokozuna kind of, like, nods his head at the guy as if to say, like, good try. And I'm like, dude, he just smacked you right in the face. Yeah, the whole, like, stuff with and even Macho, too. Didn't Macho take a couple shots at him to get him up there or something? But it didn't, I don't know. It, just, it was just, like, it was just so weird. Um, so Ma- Macho uh, is the last guy, and he didn't even get him up. The you know, Freilich, Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner, uh, Crush—they at least got like half of a leg up. Like no, but none of the football players, other than Freilich, even lifted Yoko off the ground. And some of the, and some of the guys, even uh, Scott Burrell, who was a uh, number one draft pick of the Charlotte Hornets in 1983. So he's like six seven. He's like towering over everybody, and uh, he he goes up to Yoko and he's like, "No, nah, I'm not even gonna try." <laughs> Who was Burrell drafted to again? Charlotte Hornets. Hornets. Yeah. Okay. Do you think the, the Charlotte Hornets said, "What are you gonna do now?" <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why he had to do the. He looked like a. He looked like a, like a scared little kid and, and leave the ring. You know, it's kind of. I'm not, you know, that was a really bad look for him. Like, if he, like, he couldn't do it, just don't show up. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Like, that was um, bad. Yeah, he was, he was, I think he was the second person to do it. I forgot who the first person was, but there was someone the, else to do it. The guy that sang the national anthem was the running back, right? Um, the Giants guy? Maybe, maybe that's who it was. Lee yeah. Rasson or whatever that guy's name was. Um, so, finally, Luger comes out of the helicopter. We've all seen this, this, this uh, video highlight. You know, they, WWE like you said, continuously will play it on Raw time and time again. Lex comes out. He's wearing a uh, a USA shirt tucked into his uh, his acid wash jeans. Um, or actually, they're not acid wash. They're just like really light. And, um, you know, he has to acknowledge that he is a baby face by pushing Bobby the Brain Heenan out of the way. Before Luger even comes out of the helicopter, most of the fans are screaming for Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I thought that's what they were trying to build to as well. But I thought it was kind of a weird thing to have Hogan lose 
and then he's not on TV. Then all of a sudden he comes back. I was like, probably not going to be Hogan, but it sure seems like they want us to think it's going to be Hogan. And uh, Luger comes out, and and he did. He got cheered. Like the fans were pretty excited to see him, see this changed Lex Luger. And so this is really dumb, which is Luger's in the ring. He's not even supposed to be a part of the challenge. Like you know, the the challenge is over. And for whatever reason, and I never understood this, Yokozuna sets up in the corner and telegraphs that he's going to rush Lex. For what reason? I don't know. He rushes Lex. Lex sidesteps him. He bangs into the turnbuckle. Like you said, Lex hits forearm, and then Lex gets him up for a slam. Now, for as strong as a guy as Lex is, that slam was not the best slam I, I i probably i think he probably i mean he's probably just glad that that it came off clean but i didn't think it was the, the greatest body slam like it wasn't hogan andre at wrestlemania 3 or anything because he he gets him up but he doesn't get him up very high um and he slams him and you know he and now all of a sudden he's on everyone's shoulders and steiner brothers are carrying him out of the ring and all that stuff so you know i think it was it was kind of a cool moment but um you know as we know, uh, Lex isn't as over as as they necessarily want him to be. But damn, they sure as hell tried to to they they tried all the tricks to to make this thing work. Well, I think at this moment it worked. It just didn't work later on. We'll talk about that in a few few weeks when we review SummerSlam. Um, but yeah, but as a kid, I remember watching this. I think when the helicopter came, I thought for sure it was Hogan. And out came Lex. I remember being completely confused. And now, this is from a super Lex Luger fan, which I still am. Yeah. And it was amazing, like, that people caught on to this whole thing. Like, they, the helicopter's coming. You see the people turning and looking and pointing, which I thought was cool. Lex comes out. And is he, like, I know he's, like, I know he's, like, what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, Man, he looked like a giant walking with that sea of people. Mm-hmm. Like they get every small person they could find and put it in front of his way because it just looked like, like John Wayne in a movie with the, with the smaller doors. You know what I mean? Like it just, he just looked like he just looked huge. And then I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really cool. The I thought the stuff with Heenan capturing that moment was great. This is when you see like this is when WWS is best. He's well produced yeah. segments, and I kind of got the little goosebumps. Now I remember I got the goosebumps when this happened too. After I was after, but the fusion kind of set in. And I saw what he did and pushed up Bobby, and I was getting excited. But then, like I, week after week of seeing this damn, just <laughs> drove me nuts. And I and like I said, I love Lex Luger. And I'm watching this. I'm getting pumped. Everything. He gets in the ring. He cuts his promo. It's going good until he starts calling this sushi eating and all that <laughs> stuff. Kind of like just really disgust, man. Yeah, I know it's a different time, but Jesus, man, this is it's not sitting well right to me. But. The body slam, I thought it was cool. I mean, shit. I mean, Yoko's like what, legitimately five hundred plus at the time, and yeah, I think Luger did did well enough to get him up. And and I also like it. It also was, it also wasn't as clean because it gave Bobby Heen that great material. It was a hip toss. Yep. Yep. So I mean, every time I see that, I always I always want to scream, "It's a hip toss!" It's a hip toss because <laughs> that's one of the great Bobby Heenan lines at the time. <laughs> So because the the thing, the first segment, you know, was 12 minutes or so, there are only three matches. Actually, there's there's four matches because uh, there is like a, a the fastest Mr. Perfect match you, you'll ever see uh, at, at the end. But um, the first match is Blake Beverly against the, the one, two, three kid. 
which is a super fun sort of bully versus underdog match that you know I thought was worked really well. Blake Beverly does this thing, and I can't I, you know I don't, I don't remember maybe you know when the first time I would have seen this, but just to show how big he is and how small the kid is, he superplexes. I'm mean, not superplexes. He suplexes Waltman onto the top turnbuckle. I was like, mm-hmm. oh. That, that was, that was kind of interesting. I don't remember seeing much of that. Um, obviously, lots of selling. Waltman just selling, you know, selling, 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 selling. And then finally, you know, he gets a little bit of a comeback and hits a leg drop off the... Was it off the top rope or the middle rope? Uh, top rope. And on to uh, Beverly, who is laying face down. So it actually hits him on, the on like, the back of his neck. And he gets a, the win, so... I don't know, man. I'm watching this and I'm going, man, I love the one, two, three kid right now. Yeah, I mean, I did too. Uh, did you notice the uh, shaved eyebrows? No, I did. Oh, yes, I did. Because I, I, perfect. I, I'm watching it and I'm going like, wow, why does he look like 11 years old? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Mr. Perfect, of course, one of the famous ribs shaved his eyebrows. Of course, same time they had to take pictures for the, I think it was for the, the action figures. Uh-huh. So his action figure card is him with no eyebrows. <laughs> and if you notice, he comes out the long the long way around the ring, shaking because they're, they're focusing on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of part of the rib, you know. And um, But that being said, this match is freaking killer, man. I love this match. And, you know, Mike Enos, Blake Beverly got the chance to show off what such a great wrestler he was and, you know, such a reliable talent. God, I wish I had a Mike Enos on my roster. Um, he was so good. This match was – it was a little bit long. Yeah, a little but, long. But at the same time, I was intrigued because, like, like, how much punishment is this guy going to take and what's he going to come up? The press slants, the floor looked great. Oh, my God. I mean, um, they brought attention to the fact that, you know, the one, two, three kids survived crashing and burning in this match with Razor and he still survived, so – and um, the opening, the opening spot of the of the backdrop versus the drop kick mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that kid used to do all the time just looked looked great. I mean, you know, Mike Enos. I don't think he lasts too long after. I think by this fall, I think he might be gone. He ends up going to Japan and and you know doing well over there before eventually showing up in WCW. But man, what a what a what a talent, man! I, I mean, I hope. Vince gave that guy a big hug because he really did make the kid. The you know, kid's already talented, did some sensational stuff. But like Mike, Mike Enos, man, God dang, what a what a performance! So then um, we get. You know, I just want to prepare everyone for Oscar, Mabel, and Mo because Men on a Mission mm-hmm. is coming. What do you think of Oscar's rapping? Uh, thought it was pretty bad sitting in the rap music I was listening back then. Come on, man. Souls of Mischief, <laughs> 93 Till, can't compete. <laughs> and I hear this crap. I'm like, oh, man. You know. But I was kind of I was kind of curious about Men on Mission because I remember, you know, in the After Magazine, seeing the Black Knights and USWA and how massive uh, Mabel was. And and I just wanted to see them wrestle. So I was, I was pretty excited. I didn't get the mom. Like, I just remember that, like, why they picked that name and why did they want the acronym to be mom? You know, like I just thought that was just, just silly. Oh, for men on a mission. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I just, thought that was, 
Like, that's going to get him over? Like, I just thought that, like, that, that's not a cool name as a kid. That's not cool being. I mean, Mid on a Mission sounds cool, but then, like, you're just, you know, you're, you're focusing on the acronym MOM. I just thought that was silly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow against uh, Jumpin' Joey Mags. Very quick match. And Bigelow doesn't even win with his headbutt off the top rope. I think he just wins with a straight-up avalanche, right? Yeah, two avalanches in the corner, one on each side of the ring. Um, yeah, just uh, just that's cool though. You know, I think it's it's I think it's good to finish people off with multiple different moves. Yeah, and he's probably like, "Fuck it, it's only gonna be like one minute match. Why like waste a bump? Yeah, like the headbutt on just this quick squash." And then they do the first promo for SummerSlam. What is it? Feel the heat. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's so hot that it has to be at the end of the summer. So this would be the uh, let me think. So I think this is like the sixth ever SummerSlam. Um, and uh, I, I didn't remember it being on a Monday night, but now that now that they mentioned it being on a Monday night, I kind of remember like the you know the coming uh you know last and end of summer you know maybe the monday before school starts and you know you kind of get one last hurrah with a monday night where you can watch you know watch wrestling before you got to go back to school yeah i forgot i forgot about that too and and i just remember this summer slam for a lot of different reasons but one of the main reasons too is just the fact that they put a lot of matches on this show i felt yeah. like yep so the next match is uh samu versus the undertaker and the entire match, they are teasing that this is a new Undertaker. He's doing new things. We've never seen this from him before. He's more agile. He's more aggressive. Um, it was a little bit sloppy. Uh, 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 they they, they mi- miscommunicated on uh, on a leapfrog, and it looks like Undertaker took a head to the nuts or something mm-hmm. on, on the leapfrog. But, you know, he throws a drop kick. Um, he goes over the top rope and lands on his feet. He does the old school in the rope. So he was, you know, he was working his ass off here, um, and then um, you know, choke slam and tombstone to win the match. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was it was you know, re, sort of a reintroduction of the Undertaker character who you know was put out by Giant Gonzalez and Mister Hughes and and such. Yeah, yeah, good match. Uh, there was that miscommunication with Leapfrog. It looks like for both men, just one guy didn't get high enough, one guy didn't duck, <laughs> get low enough. It was just came off pretty bad. But I thought they recovered really well. The match was good. I like the match. And, um, um, you know, it's cool to see Undertaker do some new stuff. I mean, I've seen him do this stuff. As, I remember seeing him do this stuff with me, Mark Callis, like the drop kick and the drop toe hole and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. I thought the, I thought the finish was... Maybe I don't. Th- I don't think Samu should have hit the headbutt to go back up to go for it again and mm-hmm. then miss it. I think she just missed it, you know. But I guess they wanted to say, "Oh my God, is he really?" Is he's maybe, maybe the idea is that he doesn't have the urn, doesn't have Paul Bearer. Maybe this could be a defeat. But I don't think anyone really believed Samu was going to win this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then. Uh, the next segment is the Yokozuna interview and Mr. Fuji and Vince. And again, Vince is dialing up the USA stuff. He's almost like angry at Fuji and Yoko here. And, um, 
Fuji says, like you said, Fuji says it wasn't even a body slam, it was a hip toss. He said that they're not going to face Luger because Luger, uh, you know, Luger wasn't even supposed to be on the body slam challenge. No title match for Luger. Other than that, open contract for anybody who wants a shot. Uh, Vince actually mentions Hogan here. He mentions Mm -hmm. uh, Savage. Uh, He mentions Bret Hart. And then all of a sudden, Crush comes out. And this was like a big opportunity for Crush to just hit it out of the park with his interview and to get the fans behind him. Because I think they have a match the next week uh, as, as the main event. And man, Crush was just not that good. I forget the line that he said, something like, the door doesn't knock very many times and you got to bust through it. Like he said, this, whatever the saying was, he kind of said it wrong. <laughs> and like, I was just like, oh no, come on guy. And, uh, yeah. but they're setting it up and, and look, I don't think he was very good, but still setting up a title match for the next raw with a guy who they're pushing. It felt still felt like a, a pretty big deal, even though, you know, you, crush is not, uh, is not as over as he as they probably want him to be, and then the crowd, you know, knowing that they're going to see that match on that same taping was pretty excited, and they gave it a really good reaction. Yeah, Crush didn't it definitely did not hit a home run. I think he hit probably maybe like a maybe like a bloop single, <laughs> Texas leaguer. Yeah, Texas leaguer. But you know, I, I I I sometimes I like when they film interviews outside the ring in that little corner. And it's different, but I think for this one, considering the size of you know, Yoko and Crush, I think, and Vince himself is a big guy. Like, I think they should have had this one in the ring. Hmm. That's interesting. I just thought visually it was just kind of, I think it kind of took away from, like, I don't know, it took away something. It just didn't look right to me. I thought it should have been. It would have felt bigger, especially if you had, like, the stare off between both of them in the middle of the ring. Like, you go to a nice, like, a nice, like, close up shot of both Yoko and Crush eye to eye you know in that raw and then bam next week you get that title match mm-hmm. that cool. and then like i said the last segment is a is a quick mr perfect squash match against brian costello i think there was like a minute 30 left in the show at least without the commercial um that i saw on my uh, on my wwe network app so they, they were in the ring and quickly had to get out quick perfect plex he wins the match and then they redo the uh the lex luger uh forearm and body slam in slow motion before mm-hmm. going off the air for uh for this episode of raw raw 24 brian costello did a tour of all japan one time it's just in there it's just one of those one of those people that done tours of all japan that was like oh man crazy like how do you get that spot you know <laughs> i mean i'm probably the funks booked up but like i just thought it was just you know i remember seeing him matches i'm like wow like of all the talent around the world the brian costello no 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 just no disrespect but you know you know all japan at the time was mm-hmm. you know, the level of wrestling but that's when i saw him like oh shit brian costello i remember him and uh yeah perfect you yeah, know perfect was perfect in this one minute squash you know aggressive and god he ch- and you know, what a dick too by the way like you know like how could fans really cheer mr perfect when he takes his gum and puts it on the, <laughs> puts it on the glasses of the uh the 
I forget their names, the Fatelli the sisters. sisters or something like that. Yeah. One of them, you know, as a ring girl, raw ring girl. I just thought, man, come on. I know. Come on, perfect. I know. It, it was, uh, I, and she just kind of ate it. You know, she just sat, she didn't even, she, was just, she, she almost tried to make it seem like that was something cool that he did to her. Uh, but yeah. So, um, so we are, we are, I guess, what is it going to be for the next, what is it? six uh seven weeks or something we're gonna be on the lex express yeah this is we'll talk about next week a little more but this was a one of the other than the big misfire of the SummerSlam and the main event and the result Mm -hmm. the second biggest misfire was this lex express and i know they're trying to play off the bill clinton's tour you know do you do you remember that the tour he did on the bus or something like that. I remember that like that interview he had with like MTV, mm-hmm, like a big mm-hmm. win for Bill Clinton at the time that connects with the younger viewers. Mm-hmm. I think they're playing off that with Lex Express going all over the place, and I just think they should have kept it simple. Now I give them, you know, tip my tap to thinking outside the box, but I think they should have just went traditional here. Mm-hmm. You know, Fuji one denies Luger title shot, has to prove himself to get a title shot. Fuji sends multiple obstacles his way, head shrinkers, you know, both of them one on one for a couple weeks, someone else, someone else, and then he finally gets the title shot. Some, you know, that I just think they should just want traditional with it instead of the Lex Express build. Because I remember, like, even me, like I said, as a big Lex Luger fan. I hated seeing these interviews with Lex. Mm-hmm. It's I don't I thought it was out of character. That's not who he out was. Of character. Yeah, it's not who he was. You know, and and he just and then he was he he felt he was being he was, he was uncomfortable, and I think he was. Oh yeah, he was, and you know there there's a the, Dave's story in in the Observer was basically like, you know, you, you give WWE credit for for trying. Um, you know, the Hogan's leaving, so they're trying to recreate, you know, a new Hulk Hogan, but they do have an alternative who is a much better wrestler, uh, in Bret Hart. And the, the thing that Dave says is like, look, you know, yeah, Bret did, he was champion and, and didn't draw and, you know, didn't really mean much for ratings, but at the same time, at least, you know, that you have a Bret Hart versus someone in Luger who, you know continuously was the challenger and never the champion in WCW. And that's kind of what happens here as well in his WWE, uh, WWF run run here. So um, I, I remember not being a fan of the Lex Express stuff because just, just like what you said, it just was not him and it, it didn't feel natural for him. It didn't feel organic for him. It felt super forced. And I just never bought that he was just this uh, white meat, Americana babyface. I just didn't. I just never saw that. I, I, I guess I watched too much WCW, right? <laughs> too much NWA. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree with you, and and maybe at the end of SummerSlam or SummerSlam review, which you know we'll do with at the end of August, um, I'll I'll give my booking idea as a kid during this time with Luger, and um, yeah, I just thought this USA stuff wasn't working. He is a kid. It wasn't him, and I thought they should have done something else with him soon mm-hmm. after that SummerSlam match. 
All right, so we are done here. Like I said, uh, the goal is to bring on Jason Hagholm on Friday to to just do like a little bit of a bonus show, and we'll cover this the Stars and Stripes uh, show. Even though it's not really a show, but there is there is a, a WWE Network thing on it, so we'll cover that whole thing, and then I'll also bring on Brady to tell uh, talk about his live uh, experience at at the G1 show in Dallas, and then we'll talk a little bit more about kind of previewing who he thinks is going to win G1 and and what they should do. Uh, but uh, that'll be this weekend, and uh, John and I will be back next week midweek to talk about the 25th uh, ever episode of Raw, talk about Pacquiao and Thurman. We'll talk about this crazy weekend in wrestling and uh, and all that. So, you know, when we first started the show, I think we started doing the Raw stuff because we we're like, yeah, maybe, you know, who knows what we'll have to talk about. And then, like, this wrestling war just <laughs> just got created and, and we're, like, having to rush through topics to, to get through stuff. But it's fun, so part of me wants to make sure maybe we should do a two-parter next week <laughs> <laughs> you know just how crazy things have been but uh yeah it's gonna be a full weekend of a lot of wrestling yep a lot of leg slapping super kicks so. <laughs> yeah 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 the a, a lot of uh a lot of good stuff too though so we'll we'll, we'll come back and i i'm super excited for for the g1 stuff and and uh you know like I said, I, I feel, I'm going to feel like a failure because I don't think I'll be able to keep up like I did the last two years, but I'll do my best. Yeah. All right. So for John, I am oh, able... One more little thing. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I'd like to give a shout out to my little girl who turned four. As we're recording this night, July 10th, she turned four. So happy birthday, Chloe. Daddy loves you. And you you had a good birthday. You were sassy as hell. <laughs> It's your birthday. It's your party, so you can cry if you want to. But happy birthday, little girl. I love you. So happy birthday to Chloe, and uh, and I hope uh, I hope you know she's because she she's four, so kindergarten is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so that'll be a new experience for you. But uh, but at some point, you know, in the next few years you know i know she's she's into watching star wars and she loves her chewbacca um but at some point i i feel like she's gonna catch on to you know something whether it's gonna be ronda rousey if ronda ever comes back or or maybe it's amanda nunez or somebody i, th- I feel like chloe it's in her blood to just gravitate she doesn't have to be a diehard wrestling fan like you and I growing up, but I feel like there's something in her blood that's just going to gravitate towards something. And I think she's going to be a little bit of a sidekick fan for you in a few years. Yeah. Maybe auntie Shayna. She'll love, uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> Queen of spades. Yeah. yeah that that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really cool. I, I, I look forward to that when we start, the kids start watching some wrestling with that. It'd be fun. All right, so uh, so we will see you next week. Peace out.